super stoked to be back with this brand new season of the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. So we've taken some time off and we've been recording and hanging out and just thinking about ideas for the future of the show. And I am really, really pleased uh, to be launching this new episode today with my friend Malik. The dude is just awesome. He doesn't doesn't even realize how awesome he is. Uh, I'm just gonna straight call it out because I I love this guy so much. He's somebody that I've known for some years. Uh, So we were both youth pastors together and not, not at the same place, of course, but we were youth pastors at the same time. And because of that, we shared ideas and thoughts and ideas and struggles. And actually, he was going to move out to San Diego with me for there for a little bit. And uh, he decided to hang, hang back. He is in Cape Coral, Florida. He's no longer uh, doing youth ministry, but he is doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's a DJ. He has a podcast. He's creating literally, I mean, people use this as like a really stereotypical thing, but dude is really creating culture uh, in Southwest Florida. And I'm just glad to call him a friend, and I'm super stoked to have him on the podcast and have some real conversation, uh, you know, about mystery and doubt and all those fun progressive buzzwords that are actually um, really helpful uh, for some of us to really embrace. So I hope it helps you a little bit. Uh, You know, we certainly have fun talking about some other things, but I think you'll really benefit uh, from Malik's story and where he's at and just where we've been together. We have some history and... um, I'm excited for the future of the show. Uh, I have some other podcasts that are gonna be coming out, so we're gonna be posting these. Check it out, share it with a friend uh, that is you know, trying to figure out which way is up when it comes to uh, religion, spirituality, and uh, social justice, because that is what we're all about here at the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. Uh, if you wanna follow us on social media, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Uh, not too much, but you know, we're on there enough uh, to go give us some some love over in that area and if you could just give us some feedback let us know what you thought you agree you disagree um, you hate us are we heretics whatever so look forward to doing this also lastly i am going to do a final podcast for this uh, series uh, and i guess i should talk about the series a little bit huh so this series is called institutional exodus and i am so intrigued with just you know the decline of church in america And what I found through moving out here to San Diego is church might be on decline, but spirituality and really people understanding the divine is, I mean, on the incline. It's it's not a foreign topic to people and people just don't have a home. And that's why I started this podcast, Spiritual Nomad. And that's why I wanted to do this topic first for a series topic, because there's a lot of nomads out there and we're all leaving some form of institution not saying all institutions bad I'm not saying institution isn't necessary I'm just saying by and large the Western institutional church uh, is seeing a major decline so why the exodus why let's talk about some of the difficult things that we probably can't talk about in some of these churches or small groups or whatever without you know catching a little flack so that's why we're doing this first uh, season on institutional exodus so this will be part one of the talk with Malik. Next week will be part two. Uh, We're going to have some other people joining us as well. And then at the end of the season, I'm going to do um, just a exposition or monologue or however you would like to classify it. Um, Just kind of my thoughts, my conclusions, um, and just what does Luke Bricker come to make of this after, you know, three months in the making? 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to actually by that time I record it, it'll be probably five months in the making. So I'm excited about that and I want to invite you to journey with us because we use unique words like that when we really just say, want to say like, hey, I've been thinking about this and something tells me you've been thinking about it too. So enjoy this episode with my good friend Malik. Check out his podcast. It's called The Spiritual Nomad. Okay. It's pretty cool. I don't know if you listen to the podcast at all. Yeah, I love the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so check it out. I, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you get the link before I leave. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. What's your name? Malik. Malik or Anna. Anna? Yeah. That's a beautiful name. Thank you. So Malik's the spiritual nomad evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you viewers, baby. I got you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spit some game too, so it was good. Right? <laughs> that was so awesome. I'm like hanging out and I'm hearing all the background noise. It's like that it's like the ambient noise in the post rock songs from like yeah. you know, like right before that real emotional big Oh yeah, this thing. will destroy you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the background noise, you know, the door opening, the background talk, the motorcycle going by, you know, and then all of a sudden you hear just that clean guitar, you know. <laughs> bro i love it i love it oh Dude, my god that was so awesome yeah the spiritual nomad evangelist hey man i'm super stoked to have you on i went ahead and clicked record so let's just jump in go let's go i got a coffee coming so i'm it might take me a little bit to get to get lit but i'm here hey dude you'll get it and then all of a sudden It'll flip the switch, and it's just more motivation for people to listen to the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, so tell me real quick, how's uh, how's life going down there? I mean, you're obviously not in church world anymore. And uh, so let's start with uh, the most recent, and let, then let's, let's hit rewind. So what's going yeah. on, man? What's good? Yeah, man. Um, first off, super glad to be on, on your uh, podcast, man. I uh, listened to a couple episodes, and obviously, you're uh, it's a great friend of mine and uh, kindred spirit. Uh, we get get along on a lot of different levels and understand each other on a lot of different levels. So, uh, I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, I'm glad to, glad to be on, dude. But uh, yeah, right now, man, I'm actually um, actually literally currently I'm actually at a, a coffee shop in Asheville. Um, Freaking love Asheville, dude. Dude, Asheville is the shit. I love it. Love it. Um, so I am in Asheville right now. I'm actually uh, just DJ DJ a wedding um, in uh, somewhere Hendersonville or something. Um, and that's actually what I'm doing right now in life is kind of as far as money goes, as far as how I make a living. Um, I've been um, DJing weddings. I, I, I was doing that like out of high school, and that was like a side gig. And um, so <clears throat> that's kind of what I've been doing for money is just been um, DJing weddings and, and that whole industry. Um, somehow I've just been able to grow my business with that pretty well. And so then like during the week, uh, I have all these different passion projects going on just because, you know, out of coming coming out of ministry, um, I would say there's no other feeling like uh, 
like having that instant gratification of life, like life change of influence. Yeah. And uh, so I've been kind of chasing the rabbit of that same feeling. <laughs> like how, <laughs> like how can I feel what I felt when I was on stage preaching to people is kind of yeah. what, uh, without going back to preaching to people. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel it. <laughs> it, it, it it's like a, I don't want to say addictive, but it's a euphoria that uh, I mean I can't even begin to to explain. I try to explain to people like how it feels to um, to to like how it feels to be in that that flow of what you know you should be doing with your life and yeah. seeing you know teenagers and just people seeing their lives like directly influenced by what you're doing and so. I think after coming out of ministry, I've just been trying to figure out what what I want to do that will give me that sense of of purpose again. Yeah. And so I can't really say I've found it, but I'm kind of like experimenting and trial and erroring some things and um, trying to figure out what that looks like. Thanks for the coffee, man. I'm actually at a coffee shop uh, and they're hooking it up right now. So. Hey, dude. <laughs> Let, let's hang out there for a second. Uh, first of all, what did you yeah. get to drink? I got a, a double latte, so... Just a latte with two extra shots of espresso. There you go, keeping it hipster. I like it. So, <laughs> always, it's, it's always, always right, right. So hanging out on that piece just for a second. So we were both youth pastors. That's how we know each other. So for those friends out there tuning in, we were both a part of a movement called the Vineyard Movement, and uh, so we were both youth pastors in that. And I just want to say that I totally am in the same place as you right now. I'm trying to figure out. What does life look like after being paid to be, I mean, this word is so cheesy today, but an influencer. You're paid to be an influencer. I mean, what other industry does that so quickly? You know what I mean? We we were in our early 20s getting a full-time salary to do what people are trying to do and build from ground zero today outside of the church. You know what I mean? And it's like... It's it's crazy to, to think about, and for me, it's like that stuff maybe I should have done back then, but there is a unique thing, and I think me and you have similar personalities in a lot of ways because there is that euphoria that a lot of people just don't understand. Like, public speaking to people is really scary, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, but for me and you, it's like, that's our groove. Like, that's, Dude, that's, that's where we I'm live. Mo- I'm most comfortable when I'm doing that, yeah. hands down. Totally. Me too. And it's like, like podcasting is kind of a, a good way to oh, yeah. express that some, but with that, so you were a youth pastor, you're being influential to kids, things are happening. And I, I, I do want to continue to look into your life, but I did want to hang out there on that piece that like, it's, it's difficult to be in a place like that, but not really feel like you're in your culture anymore inside the church. You know what I mean? Like you begin to slowly feel like an outsider. You begin to slowly see things that nobody else is seeing. You're like, why isn't anybody else seeing this? And then you end up kind of like me and yourself, like spiritual nomads. We're outside of the church now, but we still have this, you know, conviction for, for life. And it's like, how is that? How does that work? What does that look like? What does it, what does it mean personally working through some of the pastoral stuff? But like not wanting to go back to that culture, but still having things that are applicable in the world. Does that make sense? Dude. So how are you working through some of that? I know you've not figured it out yet, but how do you leave the church world but still have a lot of the things and and 
abilities that the church gave you a platform to experiment with. How do you see some of that filling out now outside of the four walls, you know? Ah, what a beautiful question. Beautifully, beautifully tragic and beautifully uh, (laughs) beautiful, if anything, Uh, just because it's there's so much truth to what uh, in that statement. And then there's so much uh, there's so much stuff in that question. But I think I just going with how I feel right now. um, That's sort of the tragic thing about the whole thing is, is is it's like. So I never really felt like I'll say this, like the year and a half, two years that I've been sort of in this nomadic place is that I've never really felt like I uh, left the faith, you know, right. Uh, I never really felt like I was an atheist. I never really felt like um, I left God or my faith. I, I more so felt like emotionally detached from the aesthetic and the feeling of what and the purpose of what I felt like. The church was doing and what I, what I was seeing, what I was feeling around me, uh, it just felt like like a big disconnect in like where I felt like my life was going and the people around me and the friends and non-Christian friends that I had. I just didn't feel like this narrative, not even the, the, the full narrative of Jesus, I felt like the narrative of Jesus was, was great, but I felt more so that maybe the capsule that the narrative was being put in wasn't really connecting. Um, if that makes any sense to you. (laughs) So you mean maybe like church, right? Right, right. So, and, and yeah, exactly. I I felt like maybe there was just a lot of misses going on because when you start to work for a church, you start to see the back end of things. It's like working for the government or working for anything. You start to see, like I used to be a teacher and you start to see all the inner workings of the school district and you're like, holy crap, man, this this sucks. Uh, why like this, you know? And, and so for me, as I was seeing all these things behind the scenes, how uh, not that it was necessarily evil, uh, because I loved where I was working, I loved the people there. It was more so. I don't think this is the most effective way to influence people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I and I think there was a lot of conflict of interest of like, so now you're paying me, so my my t- my paycheck is coming from the people that are giving their tithe, and I have to now preach to these people. And what if so? What if the attendance is low? You know, what if the uh, tithe is low. So am I going to do things? How am I going to pastor people freely, objectively, biasly, unbiasedly, if I am being paid by these people? Right. And so for me, it was like all I wanted to do was be in vocational ministry full time all my life. And now I got it. And I was like, shit, this might not be it. Um, not because of, again, the narrative or the people, but more so like this system doesn't really seem like the best way to do this. And so what happened was, and the answer to this question is, I kind of threw everything out. I kind of, yeah. and I, I remember we were talking about that because we were we were supposed to plant a church together in San Diego, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there for sure. <laughs> you don't worry about that. Yeah, Malik, you're on. You're in North Carolina, dude. You are on the other side of the United States right now. Like, it's wild. Yeah, we. My dream for a good year and a half to ever since I even met you, even before that, was to go to San Diego, plant a church, be you know, and, and have the coolest shit going in in, in Cali, right? And right. and uh, change the world while being really cool and shit. So like for me, it was like all that. And I remember we had conversations about. I was having a lot of theological conversations, a lot of character conversations about God. Yeah. And what I did in that season of my life is I just said. F at all. I threw everything away. I threw my 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 the- theology away, my ecclesiology away. I threw kind of everything away. 
And then the next six months was me trying to find it again, like going back in the trash and trying to figure out what I like and don't like and like pretty much try to savage, you know, salvage uh, the, the, the things that I wanted to keep. But it, I could tell you that once you throw away a lot of those things, it's hard to come back and grab them. Yeah. Like Rob Belly talks about once you taste, you can't untaste. You know what I mean? And I right. experienced a similar, right, right, right. a similar thing. You know, I've been through. A, a long season of deconstruction and I think so two things one um, a question for you uh, but before that I'm curious about uh, just wrestling with the deconstruction of those things I mean me and you let's just hey it's all about authenticity right I mean we yeah, were yeah. super stoked on Acts 29 what were we thinking like no offense if people are listening and i think it's great like they yeah. do great in what they do but i i think and if i can speak for the both of us i think it was that same thing like something <laughs> had traction it was cool it was popular and yeah. we were like dude let's jump on that train because the people at the vineyard conference are old yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and so we we're like if we're gonna be involved in in church what's the new cool thing but n now I feel like me and you both through deconstruction yeah. and stuff and, uh, you know, the term, you know, embracing mystery and having doubt mm. play a key role in your faith, uh, that it's not something to be avoided, but something to be embraced. You know, yeah. how does that look coped with kind of this question of you have talents and abilities in this institution of church. So how does this mystery and doubt that leads you away Yet all of these gifts that anybody in the church would say, oh, dude, you need to be, you know, a pastor or, you know, in your in your way, like a design <laughs> video guy, you know, right. or whatever. I mean, you make such killer video stuff. It's Thanks, awesome. Man. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, like, let's talk a little bit about our, our doubt and our mystery that's led us away. And yeah. then, you know, what does it look like for some of those gifts and abilities to function outside of the institution yeah that's good that's good i, I think um what i would say this all not all environments are created equal and so what i mean by that is that uh not all of the environments that i i i exist in in my in my day-to-day week-to-week allow me to have that mystery so for example you're on my facebook you see the stuff i post and you see the reactions from the, the 10 different polarizing views of the world, right? I have like yeah. conservatives, I have liberals, I have, you know, I have everything. And, and you see that uh, there are some people who encourage my, my uh, mystery and doubt. And there's some people that don't. There's some people that almost see, you know, for example, um, there is a group of people on my social media accounts um, that believe that I'm in a dark place in life, right? <laughs> like, dude, I, people yeah. tell me that. <laughs> Right. So, for example, I, I, I sat down with a good friend of mine um, and much love to him. I'm not going to name him, but he, you know, he asked me how I was doing and I kind of broke down to him where I was at in life. And I felt actually very good about like I felt very free. You know, yeah. I felt very um, in tune with uh, God, even in a very, very uh, <laughs> unreligious way um, right. off the book. Like I was talking to God, but I was cursing at him and I was asking him questions about blah 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 you know yeah you're being a human I, with god yeah right and and so i told him kind of where i was and 
Um, and at the end of it, I'm thinking I'm uh, he's gonna be like, oh, it's great, man. He goes, man, you're in a dark place in life, man. <laughs> Bro, what? I tell you, I was just like, and it sucked because I know. Here's the thing, and 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 you're gonna agree with me. Here's the crappy part about that, is that I knew where he was coming from. Yeah. <laughs> because I had, I was on the other side of that conversation for years of right. like, oh man, you're you're being rebellious, you're you're you know you're being taken over by the spirit of deception or whatever whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. And so I the hard part was that I knew his intent and I knew his heart because he cared about me, but from his vantage point, he couldn't see that in my perspective, this was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and this that's was a great really place hard. to be. I, I had a conversation with a friend at work. And he was asking me about how I define truth and stuff. Because even like earlier, I drop a name of Rob Bell and every conservative <laughs> flip shit about it. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it's like, so I was talking about that and he was like, so how do you define truth? And how do you, you know, do your, you know, all this stuff? And he's an awesome guy. So listen, he's a, he's a friend. Sure. And I do consider him a friend. But that is a normal question for that. And the thing is, I know what it's like to be on his side and be on that side of the fence questioning this. And it's like, you know, I don't know what it's like to have someone tell me exactly everything I'm about to tell them. Does that make sense? So it's like yeah. you with your friend, like you could have repeated to him what he said to you to try to fix you to come oh, back easy. to his way. You know what easy. I mean? I could I could have totally I could I had two options. I could have I could have told him what I knew he wanted to hear. I could have put my life in uh, the I, – I could have worded things in a way that would make him feel good, right? Easy. Just to be comfortable. Or or I could have tried to break down his perception, right? I could have tried to evangelize him into where I was at, right? Like, you don't get it, you know, and you're just, you're just blinded by your own whatever. But I, I didn't do either. I just said, here's where I'm at and, and accept it or not. And And the hard part about that – living in the place of doubt and also faith and and being comfortable with that is that you have to have the confidence to know that where you're at is okay the gray is okay yeah. because other people are not okay with gray right um which is why everything even politically is so polarizing nowadays is that it's not a whole lot of room for for gray it's in or out over here or over there right or left right yep. so for a lot of people it's you know um and, and 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 for me, it's I do see in scripture a lot that God does say like the lukewarm stuff, right? So it's kind of hard for me to argue. It's kind of in one sense, it's hard for me to say that there is no mystery in the Bible because a lot of times I feel like there is mystery. But it's then again, full of mystery. It, but then Jesus again, only answered right. three questions out of like 158 or something crazy, you know? <laughs> exactly because. Here's what I see is that I, I see that in relationship, in human relationship, like even with your wife, you accept the, the large amount of mystery that came with being with your wife. Even asking someone to marry you to say, I want to, that's a lot, there's a whole lot of mystery in that. Yep. You know, like questions like, uh, are they cheating on me? Do they actually love me? Why are they marrying me? Like, there's a whole lot of mystery, right? Like, or what is she feeling? What is she doing? You know, there's a whole lot of mystery when it comes to human relationship that we accept, that we embrace. But when it comes to God, I feel like there's like, uh, we, we don't like mystery when it comes to God because we want to know where we're going when we die. We want to know, like, you know, we want to yep. know if we're okay. We want the affirmation, you know? Because, so. to be honest, 
we're all scared. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it boils down to. I was talking to Lindsay about this the other day. The reason that we need security and and affirmation and 100% fact is out of fear. And it becomes this thing that we actually fear God. And I know that's a metaphor in the Bible, but it's like we we get to that point and I think it it's this weird phenomenon that happens that we we start out we love God we genuinely want to seek Him and we start to see these things in Scripture and especially like me and you we started looking at the Acts twenty nine stuff and they started to have really concrete answers for some of the big questions. Oh, we it was black like, and white. Oh, Everything man. was black and white. Yeah, it was easy to know if you were in or out, but in that it actually completely. Right. Um, flips the script because the fear God things turns into something else. And it's like, now we're just scared out of the unknown of the people that aren't in the group. And that chasm between, you know, who's in and who's out just gets further as the fear increases. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's so good. I laugh because it's so good because that it's, it's, it's legitimately fear. And uh, it, it it comes from a place of it, it feels so good, man. All right, so again, I go back to my social media. Um, it, it feel there's a people on my social media that the way they comment, I can understand how good it feels to go at the end of the day. I know where I'm going when I die. I know yeah. what's right. I know who's right. I know what because you know what. I lived that for a while and that security. Oh my God. That security that comes with, I know that I know that I know, you know, that whole thing. I know that I know that I know. Give me a break, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Now I live in, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe could be, I don't know. You know, I think so. I feel so, but sometimes I don't. And so (laughs) that security, bro, is so addictive. It's so powerful that I understand why people have that feeling but when the glass breaks dude when the glass breaks in your head in your heart and you and you start to want to be true to self um and i feel like that's something that we have in common is that even when we were doing the vineyard act 29 planning church all that good stuff i this is what i and this is what i tell people i say the same person that was preaching to 150 students every wednesday is the same person i'm being right now yeah is the same conviction I feel like I'm going off of is I want to be true to self, true to my purpose and, and honest to myself and others and to God. You know, I have a tattoo on my right arm. I never thought I would get a tattoo. I got one <laughs> this year. I got one this year and it says to thine own self be true um, because I, I don't want to ever lie to myself ever again. And not that I feel like I was lying to myself before because I actually felt those things. And if tomorrow I'm a Muslim and if the next day I'm a atheist and the next day I'm a Buddhist and Okay, but I'm gonna follow that conviction wherever it leads me. Yeah, and and I, again, there's a there's an old there's like the the uh, not the Christian in me, but like the four year four year ago self that would have been like that's still talking to myself right now. That's like Malik, you're being deceived. You know, yeah. surrender your life, surrender now. You know, <laughs> but still- how much of that has been conditioning? And that's I don't I know how much has been conditioning and how much has been truly by if this spirit is truth, if it is what the Bible says, the spirit of truth. And if I'm trusting the spirit of truth to lead me into all truth, 
what do I, I mean, what do I believe? Do I believe where I've, what I've been taught or, because what if that spirit of truth is leading me somewhere else? I don't know, you know? That's that, and that's the hard part, and that's that's the psychotic thing about it. You know, that's the confusing, unsure thing about it. Is like, okay, Malik, are you in a season of deception or confusion, or is this you? <laughs> right. right? Is this is this me just being in a season of like I don't know what I'm doing, or is this an evolution of me, or is this a progression of me, or is this a digression of me? You know, because some people can go, wow, Malik. Uh, you've really like back, backslid or whatever the hell. Is, right? <laughs> I'm gonna throw all the cringe words for you, bro. Dude. <laughs> or I have someone. I have a guy. that's a photographer, very influential guy in my town. Um, he's followed me for social media for a while. He goes, Malik. I ran into him at Barnes and Nobles. He says, Malik. He says, I, I don't know what you've been going through. I've obviously seen you make some changes in your life and the way you interact with you know with your faith and stuff. He goes. Whatever it is, though, he goes, you've been more influential in my life than ever before, than yeah. you ever have been. And he's not, a, you know, he's not a Christian or anything, but he was just like, but he's definitely conscious and he definitely paid attention to his life. And, and he said, dude, wherever you're at in life, he goes, I want to let you know that um, you've had more of an influence on me now than you did when you were doing your thing and whatever, whatever, whatever. And that blew me away. Yeah. And that gave me so much freedom to go crap you know that, that's that's awesome right because and that's the thing and that's what i want to talk about too so what do you where are you at with what that really looks like and this is part of a series called institutional exodus and i'm just absolutely amazed by mm -hmm. the declining numbers of churchianity in the west today and in, in the states and so it's really intriguing to me and me and you are a product of that. And, and I yeah. would say, I mean, I'm technically still church planting, you know, just from a, uh, you know, an understanding standpoint. So like, I'm still with vineyard. I'm going to the national conference next month. You cool, know, cool. I know you won't be there, but it's you don't good. know. You don't know where I'm going to be. Hey, bro. Come on out. Come <laughs> out. Come out. That'd be so much fun. I we need you. There. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I'm still a I'm still a part of it, but like the way that I'm planting doesn't look like the book. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't look like all those books that we've read and all the stuff. And I loved VLI, you know, Vineyard Institute, but it doesn't look like the church planting <laughs> session that I did, you know, for that. It, you know, and it's like trying to figure out what does this thing look like? And I really feel like the reason that I came to Southern California is because there's a new thing happening. There's something new, a fresh way of God's interaction with humanity. Cause that's something that will not ever be exhausted. I mean, yeah. there will, people together and people to God that that's whatever that that's staying, but how that looks is way different. And so in your context, I mean, you are still by every definition of the word, and I don't like to use this word very often, but ministry. I mean, you're still doing that because ministry literally means servant. And if you are serving other people and giving value and you're, you're embracing people in all walks and stages, that is ministry. Wow. So I never, I never knew that ministry means service. That's literally what that word means. It literally means service or serving or servant, however variation of the word. But the root word there is serve. Why so, the heck have we, why have we 
why have we done that? Why have we, in a sense, raped that word? Right. We've taken its value from it. You know, like, why have we done that? Because I didn't know that. We've done that because, and I, I'm ranting and I really should digress, maybe, maybe not. But the thing, because no, we've allowed capitalism and the American dream to influence our spirituality and our churchianity. That's uh, what's happened. Wow, wow, wow. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's funny you say that because la- literally last night I'm talking to a couple of people, a couple of the groomsmen from the wedding I just did, and we were they were talking about, do you think that, do you think that Jesus would be uh, a socialist? And I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, maybe Jesus would be a capitalist because if you think about, I guess it's, it's depending on how much of a Calvinist you are, because if election is real then uh wouldn't jesus be a capitalist you know and i'm like right. i'm like kind of you know but i think though that idea of capitalism american capitalism um uh, that whole idea has seeped into the church because for me when i worked at a church all i wanted to do was serve kids but every time i go to a conference i would be bombarded with numbers and stats yeah. and uh, and and so I go back and I'm trying to get those numbers up. I'm trying to show <laughs> off. Show, I'm trying to flex my youth ministry muscle. And, and so f- forget the kids, you know, forget. I'm not going to disciple kids and really pour one-on-one on time into them. I'm going to make sure I, I look good. Right. So that I can work my way up. So that, uh, so that. Yeah, man. So all the all the aspects. So the of parents will be happy and tying into you know? <laughs> what? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. That's my paycheck. You know, these I, you started seeing people as a paycheck instead of uh, people, and Word. that's that's dude. That's why I think that that was there was like four things that made me step down from ministry and vocational ministry, and that was one out of the four things. I can tell you that was like. What the heck? Why? How, how did I get to this place where everything I do in ministry now relates to my paycheck? Yeah. So w- what are some of those things? What made you leave? I mean, because w- we both were both full time staff benefits, whole nine yards at a church, you know, running the youth ministry stuff. You know, I, I mean, what yeah. was it? And I was I remember being talking to you on the phone and being part of your your leaving process you know right. from a church mm-hmm. there that i i know and love the people there that you know and love and you know i was in a unique spot in that place too and i probably gave some really bad advice <laughs> at times probably. Probably. <laughs> you know i was probably like dude look you know like you were predestined for this you know <laughs> but uh, how was that i mean what was that dynamic um, and a lot of the the elements for really making the plunge of saying i'm really really not down with the institution at least for this uh, season of my life i would say so it comes down to value right so for me my value um in life and my main form of operation is relationship and, and that whole connection aspect of people. So, like, my church family was my is was my family. So, just a little history. My mom and dad both passed away. Um, my mom in 2011, my dad in 2013. Um, cancer and a heart attack. Yeah. So, my fa- my church family was my family. It was, like, 
who I was. It was, you know, my my pastor was also like my dad and also my boss. <laughs> great dude too. I, I you have to give credit where credit due is, he, and he's he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's a um, dude. He changed my life. He was so really. What happened was this. So not only was he like a, a dad, boss, and pastor. Not only would I go to him for spiritual advice, I'd go to him for fatherly advice, and then I have to go to him for like work advice, right? Yeah. So you got three hats on, and. Maybe I shouldn't have put him in all those places, but it's what we do as human. And then I have all my coworkers who are like my brothers and sisters, whether yeah. you're older or younger. Brother. So when when stuff with everything at church started blowing up, uh, you know, without speaking on the details of it, it's like, okay, here are all my friends and people that I love. Hey, how's it going? I'm recording a podcast right now. It's called the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. <laughs> you should check it out. There you go. It's on iTunes, right? It's on iTunes, right? Yep. And you might get saved. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's on iTunes. It's the spiritual nomad, and we're just—he's uh, kind of this this really cool guy. He's actually on the phone right now, um, and he's he talks about what it what it means to—I don't know. What do you talk about, dude? Dude, it's about—it's well, everything. It's like he—he, he, yeah. What do you what do you what what do you what would you say the spiritual nomad's about? Mostly, it's about people who are leaving the institution that find themselves leading to a community yeah. within that. So that's really so it, ambiguous and big, but more or less people right, who quiet. want to Hold embrace on. their I got spirituality. It. I, know, I know now, I know now, I know. So he used to be a pastor, right? And um, he was a part of the institutionalized church and he experienced a lot of things in his life that made him maybe second guess like the system and how it's supposed to be made, right? And so he's kind of like right now in Cali, wanted to plant a church, still try to plant a church, but he doesn't want to do it in the same sense. He might even have some doubts about faith, but he embraces that mystery and he wa- he wants there to be a place for people like us who don't necessarily feel like we have like the the home we had in an institutionalized church and saying, you know, we're kind of spiritual nomads, but we haven't left our faith completely, but by no means actually have we left our faith, but we still have our doubts and mystery and we don't really know if the way that the American church runs is how we want to do it, you know? Dude, so. you just completely like Reggie so, Miller three-point switched it. So, <laughs> we, she, oh, she kind of, uh, she said that she, what's your name? Paris. Paris, Paris says she kind of resonates with that. So I'm going to kind of let her tell a story oh, real quick. Hi. So this is Luke on the, Luke right here. What's up, Paris? Uh, how you doing? So tell, tell us a story. You, tell us a short. Tell oh, us a, my Yeah, like how do you resonate with that? Oh, gosh. You just need to read my testimony. Yeah? <laughs> Can you, hey, Luke. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what, what is your what is your what is your story? I won't say testimony because I hate that word. What is your story? <laughs> how do, how do you play into that? How does that? Work? Okay. Well, my story started. I don't know. I was always second guessing, like if there was a real God or not. Like, if, is there somebody really answering our prayers, right. or are we just talking to ourselves? So right. I was just like, so I kept questioning that and kept searching for that, and then. When my best friend passed away, his funeral is what brought me closer to that. Wow. And I don't know. So you you were like in a place where you're like in a place where you were like asking questions. Yeah. And you you know something like a death. My both my parents have passed away can make you start like want to hold on to hope. Yes. You don't want to let go of your faith. Yes. Uh, but maybe 
like the institutionalized church is not a place maybe where you feel like you want to yes. go to express that. Yes, it's it's just too judgmental nowadays. Everybody's just worried about money, 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 money instead of about you as a person. Yeah. So where do you, where do you where would you go like if you needed hope, you needed like you know comfort in your in just your faith? Where would you go anywhere right now? Like was that would you go to would you walk into a church right now and like be like I need help or would you feel like it's too scary to do that? No, I would walk in there and just lay on the altar and start crying. Yeah. So you don't feel like you'd be judged? You feel like that it's a good place? You'd have to be, like, desperate enough. It depends. Yeah. It depends on what kind of church it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say um, me and Luke can resonate with your story because we still hold on to our faith, but we, we, and we want to still connect, I think, for us with people and with God, but we might not know exactly how to always do that. But I think... This is what his podcast is about: is trying to figure that out. What does that look like? You know. Yeah. So, but no, thanks. We're, we're thanks awesome. for being a guest on our. Yeah. This is being a guest on the Thank spiritual you, Paris. Notepad. <laughs> <laughs> you, sorry, I'm getting nosy. That no, was cool. Um, we'll talk a little <laughs> okay. bit after five. If you're still here, yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's right. rad, man. <laughs> so that's exactly what I want to do. As a matter of fact, little plug: I'm looking to actually go to the, like the markets around here in San Diego and set up and literally just have conversations like that with people. So that's awesome. That's awesome, man. No, it's great. It's great. What was, what was I saying before? I forgot where I was at Uh, about elements that influenced your uh, institutional exodus. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what happened was I started seeing what I, what I didn't want to happen is to, for me to sacrifice my relationship for my job. Right. Relationships with people. So what happened was there was just a lot of conflict of interest. Like, how do I. So here I am thinking about stepping down from the church. um, And so I want to go to like a spiritual father to ask for advice. But he's also my boss Mm. (laughs) who I'm about to quit in front of. Similar, Um, dude. My my dad was my pastor and boss, too. So. My, right. my biological dad. So I, I get where you're coming from. So it, 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 exactly. And so what happens is without going into detail, there's a lot of things that happen in, in, in that whole exodus of a lot of us actually at the same time is that what happens is you don't really know who to trust and you want to separate the two. You want to go, all right, hey, what do I do about this? But you also know, can you really trust the answer because you're actually my boss and you don't want me to leave? So why would I ask you? So that happened, and then other relational things are like a lot of things where putting strain on actual friendship, you know, um, putting work and reputation before relationship, where I just got really, really scared, and I didn't didn't want to lose my family, you know? Yeah. And so that was a part of me. It was like, I just need to remove myself from this environment so that I can maybe save a relationship, because I know how churches end. I know. I've been a part of churches that blew up. No one ever talks to each other ever again, and it's dead. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and, I didn't, and I didn't want that to happen. And then at the same time, I'm grieving my parents' loss of my parents, and I'm kind of like explode in, internally imploding. You know, um, not able to function healthily as a someone who is um, supposed to be an quote example. Um, yeah. And so I'm doing things that are very risky um, in the church world. I'm doing things that are, uh, you know, not going to do well with, you know, if, just morally too, you know. So, which is another problem I have is like, I, I never really felt like I was qualified to be a pastor because of all my brokenness and weakness. 
I know, I know, I know. I'm so sorry. Next week will be part two. We'll be finishing this conversation with Malik. You definitely don't want to miss out. We're going to be talking even a little bit in the next episode about the movie Get Out. So you definitely want to come back and check it out. Hey, in the meantime, if you could, leave us a review on iTunes. I would super appreciate it. Also, like us on Facebook, follow us uh, on Instagram, and really looking forward to the rest of the conversation next week. Be blessed.